me just expand this so maybe I don't have to shout at the screen. Isn't that funny? Like, there's a psychological thing of, like, if he feels I know, far it's like, away, can you hear no, me? I can literally see that you're doing that. Okay. All right. <laughs> hey, I've got a quick question. Yeah. Tessa, do you have a record player? That's embarrassing that I don't. I have records, though. <laughs> I can't play them. Why? Why do you ask? Well, I just had uh, records that I wanted to give you and Heather. Oh, what? shit. Well, I've been meaning to get one for, like, a decade, so maybe I'll finally do it. <laughs> So, Heather, I know you like The Cure, right? You think? <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> what? Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. No. Oh, my gosh. Wow. No, I do not have that. That's amazing. And, and Vesta, I know you really like Bowie. You may... Oh, you know what? I actually have that vinyl. I just can't play it. <laughs> oh, shit. Isn't that nuts? You have it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, this is the 12-inch. Oh, wow. So, oh, wow. Ooh. Full this throttle. Is my, this is my favorite song by Bowie. Oh, oh wow. he's, we're going to play okay, some. Yeah, we're going to play it, some. Save it for the recording because I do want to talk about Bowie with you for sure. Okay, for sure. <laughs> Welcome to Open Graves. Hi, Vesta. Hi, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see you sitting there. No. I know. Yeah, we actually just came from the cemetery. How fucking on brand for us. Right, yeah. Shocking. <laughs> it's been a while, though. It was, yeah, it was I know. good to revisit my local. Yeah, haunt, so to speak. Yeah. That was too on the nose. So. Very abandoned, desolate, um, kind of old, old uh, cemetery yeah, with broken graves and West covered Adams. up, yeah. covered up tombstones. Actually, more so since I was last there, which is a little unfortunate. It yeah. It's less taken care of. But anyway, we are together in person, but also on Zoom with the wonderful Robin Thomas. Yeah. Hi, Robin. Hi. Hi, good evening. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Thanks for zooming in. Absolutely. Yeah, we were talking about this for a while. Um, not only were you such a huge help to me when I was um, f a fledgling uh, DJ kicked out of the nest um, <laughs> at Chamber, uh, you yeah, you were so like there, right there with the technical solutions, suggestions, knowledge, and yeah, and Ray was like. Why haven't you guys had Robin on? He's he knows everyone and everything, and he's been around forever. Oh my gosh, I'm loud again. It's okay. Anyway, I'm just trying to be louder. Um, well, at least some of that is true. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to hear more about your you know your legacy in the goth realm. Um, so thanks again, and um, we just want to tell the listeners somebody, his name's Robin, showed up and is giving us gifts. Should that just be a requirement from now on? Yeah. You have to pay homage with musical <laughs> homage when you're guests on our podcast. I mean, <laughs> sure. I like yeah. It. Right before we started this recording, Robin is, was offering us both vinyl, uh, some really nice vinyl yeah. selections. So thank you. It's really kind of you. You're very welcome. I used to collect a lot of vinyl and I don't that much anymore. I can so see I'm some behind you on your to give it to Zoom right now. Yeah, what what room are you in? Like, what is this? This is my office. Okay. Yeah, I see a lot of a lot of music, a lot of equipment. So I've got. Oh my goodness! That's a lot of vinyl. <laughs> That's a lot of vinyl. So, I think when I was in the heyday of DJing, I had probably about ten thousand records. Wow. And over time, I've sold some off. I've blend stuff out, never got it back. I've had stuff stolen. So I think I probably have maybe a little bit over 3000, which is a little bit easier to manage. Mm. And then the rest is just kind of uh, DJ gear. That's oh, wow. Tables, CDJs and controller. Nice. Wow. Do you still DJ on vinyl? 
Um, you know, I haven't for a while. I have friends that do it quite often. I got text about um, a big techno event with some guys I used to DJ back in the in the nineties that's going on this weekend. Observe. I probably won't be able to. Is it observe? No, it's uh, Trauma Fest. Oh, gotcha. Okay, <laughs> that's a great name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's guys I used to do uh, some club work with back back in the day. Oh. Cool. But I do like to pull out vinyl and just kind of listen to it every once in a while. It's a lot warmer uh, than, I think, the digital medium. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit harder to get. Um, it's nice to have something in your hand that you can associate with the sound you hear. But it's also nice to have something on your laptop and be able to take everything with you wherever you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Convenience versus artistry. Who knows? Yeah. I love the way vinyl sounds. There's nothing. There's no comparison. Yeah, it's really warm and fuzzy. I love all the crackles and all the, yeah, all that stuff. How did you find your way into DJing, goth or not? So I always kind of liked dance music. Um, I remember in the 70s hearing disco and thought it was the greatest thing. (laughs) Um, When we hit the 80s, it kind of went into um, new wave dance music and some of these other bands. So I I think in Southern California, that's where I'm at. Um, You know, the big... Uh, radio station was K-Rock and the DJs were playing stuff like New Order, Depeche Mode, um, Petcha Boys, Erasure, Eurythmics, all of these other other big bands. And so I kind of gravitated to that. I think even around that time I was listening to Kraftwerk. I remember having um, a Kraftwerk on cassette. I played my car. Wow. <laughs> and then my brother was really big into K-Rock, but he liked a lot of the darker stuff. So he, I remember him going, hey, I've got a new new album. I'm like, well, what'd you get? He goes, I got uh, Susan the Banshee, Juju. <laughs> so I, I got introduced to that stuff. Um, he would listen to David Bowie's Scary Monsters. <laughs> I think uh, when I was in school, I had that poster on my wall in my, my bedroom. <laughs> my brother would have like Farrah Fawcett and I had David Bowie. <laughs> And just kind of stuff like that, but it, it started with just more alternative dance music, um, and then it kind of led into a lot of, lot of different things, um, you know, going out to clubs and stuff. What was your first club experience? Like, what, like, doesn't have to be goth or whatever, like, when was, when did you first go out and, I don't know, I've never seen you dance. Are you a dancer? I'm a DJ, I'm not a dancer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I have friends that, that egg me on about that all the time. Um, I think I started going out to clubs around 1983. Okay. Um, when I got out of high school. And I used to go to clubs down in, in downtown LA and, and Hollywood. Um, out where I, I lived, there were some really cool local spots that I would go to. And I remember um, being at a place, I think it was in either Pomona or Ontario, it was called Grand Central Station. But I mean, I was a young kid back then, so all these clubs were either 16 or 18 and over. And I, I remember this one place had an alternative room and a funk room. Hmm. So they were playing like Egyptian Lover, Herbie Hancock, Prince and stuff. And the other side, they were playing K-Rock stuff. But they, but I remember one night going there and they were playing Nina Hagen. Whoa. Hagen is, is one of the, the gateway bands for me, and, and they, they were playing Born in Zizix. <laughs> and it's a very kind of crazy song, and the club had a stage, and I was just kind of looking up there, and some guy that I knew was, was there in a dress uh, and makeup um, that he borrowed from his mom. <laughs> and he's lip-syncing to Nina Hagen, and I'm like, wow, this is a little bit different, but very, very cool. 
Um, some of the clubs I would go to, I remember the first time I went to a club out in the area that I live, um, I walked in and they were playing The Smiths, How Soon Is Now. <laughs> and it's very iconic sound, you know, very different from the mainstream, even though kind of in its own way it's, it's mainstream. But it was that kind of alternative sound, uh, just the way they would put everything together with the vocals and the guitar and the bass were, were really, really interesting. Hmm. Um, and then I just kind of to go to other clubs um, out in Riverside where I, I grew up, the big club was Club Metro. Hmm. And it had three different rooms. It had an alternative room with a big stage. Um, it had a kind of like a freestyle high energy room and a funk room. And my best friend used to DJ in the alternative room. So I used to go out there and hear him play all the time. Which best friend? Uh, his name's Mark Duff. Okay. So he was there back in the 80s. Um, for a number of years, but he introduced me to a bunch of uh, the new music. Um, one other friend that I had was told me he was a DJ, and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna start DJing at this place out um, called After Eight. I'm like, "That's kind of a, a lame name." He's and I'm like, "He's like, well, you know, they call it After Eight because it opens After Eight." I'm like, "Wow, that's, <laughs> that's really real creative, <laughs> yeah, okay." But it was it was really neat because he was very much into the music. He introduced me to like more deep cuts of the cure i remember going over his house and he was playing a video of um cabaret voltaire mm -hmm. i want you and that was like another gateway song into like the industrial scene and then he was also playing stuff like um david sylvian from japan ah and i think i have two copies of this song it's uh, called forbidden colors which was on uh, the soundtrack for Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, with David Bowie. Yeah. So huh. it's kind of some of these really, really deep, dark cuts um, that kind of got me on my way. Uh, movies that kind of influenced me during the the early 80s. I mean, Blade Runner with the, the dark synth music and the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, also, The Hunger. I remember seeing that oh, with my yeah. friends. The Hunger comes up a lot. It's like, hey, you got to <laughs> see this. It's crazy. So... We're there, it's like David Bowie, Catherine Deneau, um, Peter Murphy's there yeah. in the club scene. Just so very iconic. But we'd see other stuff. Um, you know, these old movies, they're more like art house movies. There was a movie called uh, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. With that Alan is a Hera. weird fucking movie. I have seen it, and I probably should yeah. revisit it, because I was not in the mood for it when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, very, very neat. It's kind of like they would have this eerie orchestral music, but each room in the restaurant they would be in, they would, they would, would, it would change colors. And then the colors of the clothes they were wearing would change too. Ooh. And then, you know, stuff like Legend. Oh, yeah. With, you know, Tim Curry, Mira Sara, yeah. um, of course, Tom Cruise. <laughs> um, and, and then kind of like the everyone's favorite uh, Rocky Horror. Of course. You're, you're like mentioning all my gateways. <laughs> like, yeah. Someone's done his research. Yeah. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. <laughs> Bowie, The Hunger, Rocky. Yeah, this is all just stuff yeah. we were just listening to because, you know, back in the early 80s, there, there wasn't really a definitive or definite goth scene it was more kind of like all everything was alternative mm. yeah and at one point the alternative music kind of combined with with some of the electronic bands and then we got industrial dance music it wasn't really i know ebm has been around for a long time as a, a term kind of defining this stuff but back then it was just basically industrial dance music mm -hmm. and i think at one point i gravitated to that because it was just harder and darker from anything like from New Order, or even from Depeche Mode. I still love Depeche Mode. I play um, that anytime I, I get a chance. 
um, but there, there's a lot of other bands that are have just kind of grown off of the legacy that they've they've created in music. Now I know you're used to work for K Rock. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I DJed with a lot of the guys from K Rock. Um, I'm kind of included in some of the stuff that the older DJs do. Not really directly with with K Rock. Back in the day, I um, was DJing at a club. And I'm, one of my friends told me that he knew this guy called Boris Granich. He was um, part of Power Tools, which was, or Power Mix Production. They, they, they did a mix show on Power 106. Mm. So I started to do that, and I did it for a few months. Um, back then it was just uh, records recorded on a reel to reel, and you would have to edit everything on a reel to reel to make everything perfect. And I used to buy records at a place called Record Reaction down in Long Beach. On it down where Dave Batts is probably located at. Oh, I, yeah. I listened to his podcast. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy. Yeah, he's been on here um, too. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I went in there and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing production for these guys. And they're like, well, Swedish Eagle from K-Rock is going to be starting a new radio station. And they, they're going to do a mix show and, and we need somebody. I'm like, yeah, I can probably do that for you. So I started to do production for them. And it was the, it was called uh, Mars FM. Oh, yeah. I used to love it. So I did the Mars Top 30 Countdown. Isn't that 103.1? Yeah, 103.1. Yeah, I used to listen. I used to listen. And everything that we kind of started with um, when the the station was in its infancy was more alternative music. I remember mixing uh, Front 242 songs, um, some of other songs on on some of the more European labels. And I think at at one point we kind of gravitated over to, to techno, which kind of has its roots. And, and the industrial oh yeah definitely and, and of yeah. course um in belgium new beat mm. so everything kind of you know we have these these sounds that were created out of all these guys experimenting with stuff and i'm sure you guys have seen the uh documentary about wax tracks in chicago and yeah. all the bands and stuff that were on that it's just all that stuff was coming in and there wasn't, you know, a whole lot of places to hear it. You'd hear some of the stuff on K-Rock because um, they were playing some newer stuff back then. I, I remember one of the guys that I would listen to, his name was Freddie Snakeskin, would be playing yeah. stuff from um, a I remember him. remix remix company called Razormaid. Mm. So Razormaid was, was put together by a couple of guys, Art Mahart and Joseph Watt, back in the 80s, and they would basically make DJ remixes of songs. A lot of that stuff is like really super expensive. I've got a whole bunch of them back over there that I used to play when all that stuff came out. But when uh, Razor Me would put a new record out, uh, they would play the entire thing on K-Rock and the record labels get, would get really pissed because you couldn't buy any of the stuff. You had to get it through the service and you had to prove that you were a DJ to be able to get some hmm. of these records. Hmm. So they would be, they'd be playing stuff like uh, DAF, um, Nitzarev, they had different mixes of Front 242 along with some other um, songs and uh, on different record labels that became kind of really famous. But they did a lot of classic uh, new wave tracks. And a lot of the tracks back then, you know, the only place you could hear it, maybe you would hear something in, on the radio, but you, if it was an alternative song, the only place you could really hear it is in nightclub. You couldn't hear it anywhere else. We didn't have the internet. Yeah. There wasn't, you may get it from a mixtape from somebody because it's like, hey, I found this song. I made a, a, a mixtape of, of these tracks that I that I got. Hmm. So it was just, 
really neat to be able to kind of see how all of the music was kind of evolving over time. But um, my, my connection with K-Rock is with Swedish Eagle. I, uh, he's an old friend of mine from back in the day. He's on Sirius XM, uh, does First Wave. Yeah. Um, with, with Richard Blade, and those yeah. two are the two ah. guys on the West Coast that do uh, the New Wave stuff. And whenever Eagle does like a, a New Wave event, he makes me come out and help him. Yeah, oh, you cool. just performed recently, right? Yeah, at the LA County Fair. It's, yeah. It's, oh wow. It's not like a nightclub event. It's more like a we're going to be at the fair, walking around. Um, you know, let's get in there, stay cool, and listen to some music for a little while. I like um, that. Yeah. But I usually try to play a lot of uh, more B-side type stuff. Eagle will play like a lot of the hits. That's that's what they're expecting him to do. So we kind of play the roles we're there to, to do. But it's always really interesting. The the history that these guys have is just, you know, it's over over decades. So it's, it's nice to be in, in kind of the same company. Oh, that's great. Now, we know that you don't like to refer to yourself as goth. <laughs> so you're going to have to explain... Explain yourself. <laughs> what okay. are you and why? So, there is I, no what are you. Really but I'm... A, a goth DJ. My my main thing is I'm a nightclub DJ. And a nightclub DJ basically plays whatever the genre it is that they put in front of them. So like, versatile. Like, sure. music I always have. Um, one of my friends, um, DJ Iron Fist. Uh, I think you know him, uh, Donovan. Yeah, Donovan. Uh, yeah. Simpson. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, you're you're not a goth DJ, but you love dark music. That's okay. We love you anyway. I'm like, okay, thank you, Donovan. I appreciate that. <laughs> I've always really liked dark dance music and very hard stuff. Um, mm. You know, back in the day, you were listening to things like on Wax Tracks. You would have stuff like you know Split Second, oh, I love um, Split Second. Ministry, yeah. and Ministry. You had a, a lot of different things to play o- over over the years that they created it. You know anything from synth Ministry to Stigmata uh, Ministry, and I would try to incorporate all of that into uh, the sets when I was DJing. And and back in the day when you know when you DJed, now you may go to a club and there'll be like maybe four DJs, so you have six DJs or even you know you know two DJs. And back then, it was just one guy. You would start and you'd finish. <laughs> and then if you had a second job, you would wait a couple hours. And then at 4 o'clock, you'd start another job and you'd DJ till 8 in the morning. So you you would have to kind of be very, very aware of all of these genres and be able to play them well. But the thing with nightclub DJing is basically kind of understanding uh, your audience, uh, kind of working with with everything to kind of keep them there. In most of the, the clubs in the 80s, it was always kind of like you would rotate music through because you had to kind of keep people on the floor and then you'd rotate them off so they would go to the bar and they would they would buy um, drinks to kind of keep the doors open. So there was always a kind of a formula you would go through. I, the thing that I would always do is I would mix music for maybe 40, 45 minutes and then I would play album tracks for the last 15, which allowed me to play any requests that I had, or if I had something that was kind of more like Susie or Love and Rockets that I was mixing, I could go easily into something that was a lot faster or slower, like, you know, Forest from The Cure, or something uh, more like Bauhaus, um, and then be able to kind of rotate things around so everybody that, that was there would have a good time and be able to hear the things they wanted to. So it just wasn't one thing the whole night. I have friends that are in the scene now that do something very, very similar. 
um, you know, when they're trying to introduce new music, they'll play an old song and they'll play a new song, play an old song. We did that a lot. You know, nowadays you have all this, this huge music library that you can pull from. And back in the day on vinyl, it's like, well, you know, I've got, I think one time at the club, I had a thousand records there and that, like, that was a Jeez. huge collection. And now it's like, I've got that on my flash drive, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to plug that in and I'll play a few songs and then we're, we're there. But you would have to kind of like, okay, I'm going to start with this song. I, I think I'm going to kind of branch over to this stuff. And then I'm going to end at this, this point, you know, I might end with um, the cult or some other, uh, other genre and then they kind of rewind and go through the whole thing. And the whole idea over a four hour period is kind of start them slow and then kind of get them peaked around 12, one o'clock so that they were very happy. They danced a lot and then kind of back them off so that they didn't go. When you turn the lights on, they'd actually want to go home instead of like, yeah, we, we need another half hour. Like you can't do that. It's like two o'clock. I gotta go. <laughs> I got another gig in Hollywood. I'm out the door. Yeah. So that's kind of some of the differences between, uh, you know, just being a, a nightclub DJ and it, I'm very, very grateful to be on your show because I know a lot of this is, is about the, the goth um, music and the scene that you guys are in. And I'm just very honored to be, you know, even associated with it on the fringes uh, of the, with the, the limited things that I still do. Aww. Well, I want to actually, that leads perfectly into, I wanted to follow up the, the DJ question with if, do you, aside from um, your DJ life, as an individual, do you, have you ever or do you identify as a part of the goth community? I feel a part of the goth community when I when I go out to it. My my life during my day is very different, but I think as a DJ, um, you always kind of live with that in the back of your mind. The goth community is very very wonderful. Um, the people are very very friendly. I remember a lot of the stuff that I had done before, like even, you know, being on the radio and doing things. Um, people had done articles about it and they'd never mentioned my name because they'd always mentioned the people that were really popular. <laughs> and here I am, I'm this old guy that's done this for a lot of years and then you wanted to have me on your show just to get a little more perspective of what we were doing back in the 80s and then the early 90s. Well, Ray so has I been really singing your praises that. too, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm going to go there. So, we have our usual question we ask, um, and I know you're not goth, but... Or are you? We'll fucking see. I don't know. We'll be the judge of that. It's early. (laughs) It's early. But, you know, we talk about just being drawn towards, you know, the dark stuff, um, and it sounds like you are, regardless of affiliation, but noticing a pattern in, you know, obviously we call it your darkness or your quote-unquote trauma or whatever led you to seek, you know, safety within that kind of music to where it sounds good. A lot of people like, you know, like have this vision of, you know, the goth realm of people listening to music hold up in their bedroom and like being depressed. And granted that might be part of it, but there's something that's cathartic and positive about listening to that music and being drawn there. Um, So if I made any sense at all, the question would be (laughs) like, do you associate anything with the darkness or can you can you pinpoint what led you towards that music yeah i think you know growing up uh in the 80s i was a really angry guy Hmm. and i was listening to dave bats talking about his family being um like ferris bueller i I felt like my high school was like a breakfast club (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. And yes. I, I never really fit in anywhere, and I didn't really understand why. Um, it wasn't until I started to go out to clubs that I found people that accepted me for, for me. And I didn't have to try to be anything else uh, other than, than what I was. I, I think it's weird that a lot of people always associate uh, goth music with the gloom and doom. And I think that is just from from ignorance because they don't know any better. And I think a lot of things that if you don't know it, then you're, you're afraid of it. And so the best way to, to, to combat that is for any opportunity to be able to, to share that with other people. Um, I know uh, one of the clubs that I go out to now, um, Chamber on Sunday. Yeah. Um, not everyone there is strictly goth. I, I've run into people that they're like, wow, this is the first time I've been here. This music is incredible. Um, I've been at other places and I can sit back and watch people and I'm like, okay, those people over there are regulars, I can kind of tell, and those people over there just kind of walked off the street, but they're dancing like there's no tomorrow because they just love what they hear. I think that the goth music can be dark and dreary, and I think that's part of the appeal. I think we can kind of experience some of these emotions that we feel at times through music that we normally wouldn't want to deal with, um, and then kind of in its own way be cathartic on the dance floor to be able to get these feelings out and be able to, to feel a little bit better afterward um i i know um before i dj'd i used to dance quite a lot oh uh, and i always felt much better after i did i just felt like wow you know i was able to kind of go out there and be wonderful with the music and it's just a very nice feeling to have um, yeah to lose yourself so you don't dance anymore what happened you know not too much <laughs> Um, I may someday, maybe the next time I see you guys, I'll uh, <laughs> challenge right, something. Yeah. <laughs> but I really do enjoy seeing people dance. I, I love it when they hear that song that they that they have have been waiting for during the night, and they can go out and they can kind of re- relive some of the experiences that they've had before. Or when they hear that brand new song that they've heard for the first time, it's like, oh wow, what is that? You know, I, I need to get that. Remember... It's just nice with the digital media, they can kind of go on and I'm like, you know, when I get home, I'm going to go download that. You can always do it. Do you remember what your first dancing experience was? What drew you out there? What song it I was? Think, I think it was probably, I think it was probably New uh, Blue Monday by New Order. Oh, wow. That's I think one. one of yeah. the times I was at, uh, they were playing that and I was like, wow, this is really super cool. I really like it. Um, you know, some of the earlier stuff on K-Rock would be like Oingo Boingo or, or mm-hmm, some of yeah. the other bands were just that were just kind of more album-oriented. And then when I got into listening to more um, of the new wave dance music, it just kind of like, I just found it to be really super incredible. Um, but I, I think that was probably one of the first songs I, I danced to. And then other stuff would just be kind of other things that they were playing at the time, you know. Uh, talk talk it's my life or, yes or other stuff from from the cure um i mean new order has such a huge catalog all the stuff from trapeche mode um remember um my buddies would always uh play everything counts i <laughs> love that song these big, big albums i remember um talking with someone about the importance of a violator in um the goth scene and remembering all of these albums that came before that and all of these really great tracks. Um, I think that's one of the things that I really like about um, the goth scene is the fact that we have all of this music really spanning over five decades 
that we can draw from um, to kind of think about the, the roots of the music and then be able to kind of see where that's gone with what all the new tracks are too. It's an evolution. Yeah, it is a really, I think, unique thing about our, even if you want to call it a genre, I'm not sure, that it's not as married to a time period as, as most other genres are. Yeah. In fact, embracing the past more so than, than normal, which is usually about the next best thing. I mean, techno, yeah. I think, is very, like, it looks ahead, right? It's following trends that are coming up. Almost. Yeah, kind of. I mean, techno back in back in the day came. I I really feel that techno came out of Belgium New Beat. Mm. Belgium New Beat when it started. I, I mean, when you go back to the very beginning with a lot of the stuff, you know, you had bands out of the UK, all these different record labels. Like you had Four AD, that was more like uh, you know, Clandestine Rocks, Dead Can Dance, This Mortal Coil, that type of stuff. Factory that was that was more like a New Order, Section Twenty Five all the wax track stuff, Canada stuff on network. And then, and bands kind of like, you know, Skinny Puppy, Manufacture, Chris and Cozy, all, all those really early stuff. And then Belgium, it was SSR, um, Subway and Chaos. And one of the biggest bands at that time period was uh, Lords of Acid. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we still hear from oh, time yeah. to time. Another big band was Major Problem. Um, they did a song called Acid Queen, but uh, the the first origins of Belgium newbie were where they would have all this high energy music like in the really early eighties and they they just got so tired of everything being so fast they'd play a forty five record on thirty three. <laughs> wow. Just if they had an instrumental cut, which a lot of these records would, and then they would mix in some of these other things. But when you listen to like Lords of Acid, it's got that very hard grind sound. Oh, yeah. And yeah. if you're aware of their their history, like the albums that they came after that were more techno oriented. So techno coming out of like Detroit, Detroit techno, very hard stuff. Uh, we had a lot of techno coming out of the UK, and then we had techno coming out of Belgium, where it was these new beat artists had transitioned from from new beat probably in the, the early. 90s over to techno and that's some of the stuff that we'd play on um Mars FM back in the day oh yeah yep I remember there was a there was a club called Metropolis I don't know if you knew this place it was in Irvine of all places Irvine yeah. California and they had their techno room and it was all the this is this is late 90s had all like the latest coming out I just yeah that was my techno phase <laughs> Anyway, you mentioned that your your daywalking life is, you know, a different one. Can I ask you about who that guy is? And I saw your Zoom icon and that guy looked real different. Uh, so I want to ask about that guy. What's your daywalking life like? I'm in academics. Amazing. Is that it? <laughs> and we're done. And we're done. I have been in academics too. It actually is pretty common in the goth community. Like academia, we get there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the, the healthcare field. Oh. Nice. That's it. He's a man of few words. I get yeah, it. Yeah, no, I understand. It, like, please don't say any more than you want to say, but I will keep pressing until you tell me not to, if you don't want to, like, out your actual situation. But, like, what what are the fields of interest? Or, like, what can I, like, what kind of academia? So I teach at a university, um, and it's um, in the field of nursing. Oh, wow. That's great. And my... The things that I do during the day are a little bit different than what I do when I'm 
um, DJing, so I usually try to keep everything kind of separate. Um, separate. Yeah. But that... I, I do have other friends that are in academics as well, and it's nice to be able to talk to them about um, about teaching and things. Of course. Do you ever... So what do you do in academics? Oh, <laughs> I don't work in academics anymore. Um, I just I'm going I'm going back to grad school at uh, in September uh, for a second master's uh, in psychology. So excellent. Yeah, but yeah, I used to I during my MFA I was, you know, working like at the school as well and doing all that type of stuff. I was at CalArts, um, and there was as an English major and a writer, of course, there's a lot of pressure to just go into the field of academia. So I really almost did that and realized it was not for me. Um, so I spent a lot of time around that situation, but I, I decided not to work in it. <laughs> so I have a lot of respect for anyone who does. Has... And what has drawn you back into the field of uh, psychology? <sighs> well, we're interviewing me now, <laughs> yeah. Um, so my mother is a psychologist, and I, so I was raised, and she's actually one of the few, I think, really positive ones, because there's so many bad ones out there, and that's real depressing. So I was raised with a skill set, I sound like Liam Neeson, I was raised with a certain skill set <laughs> that I really value and that I dispense at random, asked for or not. And it took me until, you know, pretty recently, until my mid-30s to be like, okay, fine, yeah, I should pursue that for real and, you know, actually pursue a career in this in this thing that I have been, like, dancing around my whole life because turns out the life of a writer and artist is real hard and having tried to use my writing skills in the corporate world was depressing the ever-living shit out of me um and this is I think a way that I can have a meaningful career path and also still maintain my you know art and writing and podcasting life and uh I'm gonna keep asking you some and future club no. <laughs> yeah yeah that's right so many little fucking things that yeah. sounds awesome. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. And you guys have your own club too? Well, no. It's you know about it. Yeah. It's on a little hiatus, but I think we're bringing it back. We'll see. We're hope to, we're hoping to bring it back. Yeah. We might we might be asking you some questions after we hit pause. Yeah. Um, sure thing. About some potential audio equipment yeah, we might you may be, be needing. You may be a consultant about <laughs> club obelisk. Right. Yeah. I would love to help out. Thank you. I wanted to ask, um, because you were, you know, and are a DJ and you, given the vehicle of Chamber in which you are a regular at, you and all that you do for Chamber, you've seen a litany of DJs come and go as guests and whatnot within the field. Do you have any uh, critique or do you have favorites? Do you have life skills or attributes that you've seen that you're like okay this person's gonna make it this person sucks i mean you don't have to name names but (laughs) you know like as far as like maybe character flaws or character traits or habits or lifestyle choices anything that you want to (laughs) impart upon the subject Apart upon Heather for her, <laughs> no, I just evolution. think not just me, but like I'm just I'm saying, like fun of you. yeah, you've seen you've seen so much. I'm sure you've seen shit show and then Golden Gods. Well, I, I think the main thing with the DJing is just having a really deep love for the music. Um, you have to have that, 
and then in in turn also for for nightclubs um in the scene and with djing it's just kind of embracing what what this means to be playing music in front of people um and then the journey you kind of take them with which then leads to like this other other important ingredient which is this sense of community and inclusion that, mm -hmm. that we have as well i think any time that you're doing some of these things there will always be life events that, that will kind of take it away from you mm. or will move you in a different uh, way that makes it difficult for you to do and i think at some points in your life you have to kind of listen to what what the world is telling you and if you need to take a break you take a break it's okay but for as long as i've been doing this i've always felt that there was a part of me that that was this dj persona um this this person that loved the music that I could never escape, and so even if I took a hiatus for whatever reason, you know, I, I spent some time in the military. I've gone through um, undergrad and graduate education, and beyond that, um, there's always something in the back of your mind that will itch you, and you will feel that there is a piece of you that is not complete. And so I've talked to this very subject with a couple of people that i i've been in contact with recently um one is a guy that djs out in, in las vegas and then someone a little bit closer to home but I, I think the thing that you have to think about is what is it that you love to do and if you can change events to be able to to make it a thing of joy versus a thing of tedium it makes it a lot easier mm. but i think you always have to kind of come back to why is it that I'm doing this in the first place. Uh, I remember when I was DJing early in the 80s, I would walk in someplace and I would smell the bar and I'm like, wow, I feel like I'm at home. <laughs> and it would have that, you know, stinky smell. With yes, the, the <laughs> oh, we know it. <laughs> of course. And, and that gives you that, it's like that that song, you'll hear that song. And it's like, oh yeah, I remember that, you know, the summer of whatever. And this is what I was doing with these people. And I can remember what I was wearing when I was eating at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, Music has such visceral roots in us. We, we we lock onto these things, and it's it's part of our our cognitive um, pathways. We will hear a song and we'll, and we'll recall a memory. I, I think they even oh, yeah. do this with um, light dimension and some of these other things. But mm. I think that's one of the things to kind of remember is why why we were doing it in the first place, and what are the things that are important to us? What is it that brings us together and is it like can you do that now is that something that's okay for you to do i'm like yeah then why not get back into it oh. remember um i i've taken a break i i just kind of got back into things in the last probably five or six years mm -hmm. I, I know that kind of sounds like a long time uh but for me it's not really that long for, for dj and i was on an 80s cruise with my wife and <laughs> i i don't know if you've heard of this guy his name is bismarck yes yeah Say he's yeah. just a friend, and you say he's just a friend. Oh, baby, yeah. you! <laughs> Sorry. So the, the cruise was really cool. They had they had uh, Wang Chung. Oh, um, how fun! Which, so oh, one wow. of my favorite movies from the eighties was "To Live and Die in L.A." Oh, okay. And they they actually sang that. That was the last song of their set. But I I went to an interview that they were having with Biz Marquis, and I went up to him afterward. I'm like, "Hey, nice to meet you." Um, the very super nice guy, may he rest in peace. And he's like, so do you like dance music? I'm like, yeah, I do. I used to DJ back in the day. He's like, you don't do it anymore? I'm like, you know, I'm busy with life and everything else. He goes, well, you know, always think about it. It's always going to be part of you. And even if you can't do it full time, it's a great hobby to have. 
Mm. Um, and hence everything that you see in my office. I have a desk, and then the rest of it is music. Yeah. All of this stuff. So even trying to get away with it or trying to control it is is kind of, you know, looking at the chaos and how much of it can I actually hold back. Uh, you, you think about that song that you want or the album or the concert. It's like, yeah, I, I got to go through that. That's that's the thing that I do. It's an experience. And I'll see some, some equipment. I'm like, yeah, I got to have that because that's like the, the latest thing. So, you know, if you got money and you've got time, then that's what you do. But you, you mentioned DJs that I like. That was another thing. Yeah. I, I think I think uh, probably my most favorite DJs right now are, are probably Baron and Geist. Aww. Yes. Yes. Um, Cheers. And they I, love I, you, I, too. That's really how we met you or how I met you. Yeah. They're just wonderful, wonderful guys. Uh, just kind of opened their arms and have allowed me to come in and, and just kind of meet new people and be part of the scene. Uh, I remember... Um, when I got back into DJing, I was DJing at a place uh, called Club Twitch mm-hmm. in Anaheim. And then we were at La Santa for a while. And I think when COVID hit, it changed everything. Uh, we I were mean, that's Twitch very on, ironic on that it was Twitch. called Club Twitch it before was everything Club Twitch? was Club Twitch. Like our whole world was fucking Club yeah. Twitch. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I ran didn't know into that. a buddy of mine that <laughs> opened up a club in Anaheim and he's like, hey, you know, if you want a night, go ahead. And so I brought in a couple of old friends of mine, a guy by the name of Jeff Fant that I knew when I was DJing back in the 80s and 90s, and then my friend Mark Duff. And we were thinking of names and we're, we were looking at album covers and we're like, you know, which for ministry would be a great name for a club. So we just started to, to do that. After um, COVID, everything kind of shut down and we stopped doing the club. And at one point I just was like, I need to get back out. I can't just stop doing it. Um, so I was looking through Facebook and seeing some of the flyers and I saw a fly for Noctis. Hmm. And I remember the first night I went out, it was Noctis OC over in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. And I met George and I met Ray and uh, George, Dr. Uh, DJ Vertigo was one of my other favorite DJs. I think between uh, the both of them, they play very, very new cutting edge music while still kind of, you know, playing homage to the old old music or kind of like where we came from. I, I like with uh, listening to Ray, he'll throw in some stuff from Depeche Mode or from The Cure or from Bauhaus and then he'll play some very new band like Magnavolt uh, or, or Into the Pelopis or Vexagon or something that's really, really big um, and new. And, um, Georgie would do the same thing. And I also like, um, I don't think I don't like DJs. I think I like them for the specific things they do. Like um, DJs Gunblade and um, Jedi. Mm. They, I I like them for the music that they played that kind of made the goth industrials uh, scene great when when it was kind of more fledgling in the, the 90s and and 2000s, um, they're very, very well versed in the standards. I like those a lot. And then another guy that I DJed with is uh, DJ uh, Black Eye. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, know if I you guys have him. heard of him, but he yeah. he does no. um, industrial. Mm. Um, and I think he goes to Germany every year and plays in some of the big festivals over there. But he, I, I did a set with him when we were on uh, Twitch on Twitch, and <laughs> Twitch he was just on an Twitch. awesome guy too. Yeah. Love <laughs> Twitch on Twitch. <laughs> it was meant to be, was, clearly. Yeah, yeah he, he was a wonderful guy to work with. Just really, really good musical sounds. Um, you mentioned that 
um, your brother had some crossover music tastes with you. Does this run in the family? What is what is that situation like? Um, not partially, partially yes, and partially not. Uh, both my parents were musicians. Oh. Um, oh, I didn't know that. My mom played piano, and my dad sang in a choir. So I think I always kind of gravitated to music, but I think um, as with anyone, our, our music tastes were a lot different. Um, I don't think they were much approving of some of the things that I like to listen to. Okay. Which now are kind of mild compared to what we have now. But I think <laughs> that's kind of the way of things with each new generation coming in here and new, new music. Sure. And appreciating it, appreciating it, and actually being able to understand it. Not being able to understand things makes makes things a lot different or difficult. But I, I've always had kind of a an eye for or ear for music. I, I had. It was like in the band when I was in grade school. Um, in college, I did a few music theory courses so I could understand how music came together. Um, I pretty much self-taught uh, learning everything in DJing and kind of learning about the different aspects and, and the, the foundation on how it's put together, like BPMs and how keys work. I have a little pitch pipe somewhere that I used to pitch all of my songs to know what key they're in so mm -hmm. I can mix in harmonically. Music has been in my family, and it kind of continues with me. Oh, what was cool. your grade school band like? Probably like everyone's pretty awful. <laughs> um, sure. I played uh, third trumpet or something like that. Oh, I played trumpet. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I was in band. I played trumpet. I'm a trumpet think, geek. Uh, yeah, yeah, band and music is good for kids while they're growing up. Oh, yeah. So kind of expand their, their mental capacity and their thinking process, so it's not just so linear. Definitely. Well, fascinating. Well, I didn't, yeah, we're getting to know you and it's nice to unlock the <laughs> secrets that make up Robin Thomas. Thank um, you. Yeah. And yeah, thanks so much for being game for this and coming yeah. on because I know I could tell you were like a little apprehensive, but <laughs> I'm glad you did. I'm not a real talkative guy, so it's, it's nice to actually kind of come on and, and be with two very nice people to be able to. You've been doing great. Yeah, you've been talking. talking up a storm. <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to get to know you as well. And thanks again, once again, yeah. for being so helpful for me and in my time of need. <laughs> DJ Absolutely. Time of Anything need. I can do in the future, just let me know. Oh, thank you. She will. Oh, I will. <laughs> do you have any other questions? Or I don't know. Um, not necessarily. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are we wrapping it? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? Do you have any upcoming gigs or yeah. performances or clubs? Um, I or... think I have a gig next month with Swedish Eagle at uh, the Cantiki in Glendale. It's a small bar. Oh. Uh, but we're going to be there playing um, some new wave hits and stuff. Cool. What day um, What day is it on? I think it's on a, on a Saturday. Okay. Um, I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll shoot you a flyer when I get it. Great. But just kind of stuff like that. I'll, I'll probably DJ at uh, Chamber maybe one time during the summer. Yeah. Awesome. And then some other things. Hopefully we'll see you there. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to go out to something that you guys are going to be putting on too. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Robin. We'll put you out of your Absolutely. misery. We'll take it out. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining Open Graves. <laughs>